We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pro Football Focus show here on Roto-Grinders. I'm Stevie TPFL, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ian Hartitz. How are you doing, my friend? Happy Week 13, man. Had a, uh, you know, different troubled Thanksgiving thrown wrench uh, in the week last week, but now I don't even know what day it was yesterday without Thursday Night Football. Got a full freaking slate of Sunday games. One, you know, two bye weeks, whatever. A lot of interesting options here, man. We were talking a little bit before the show about uh, just lineup filling out and what we're kind of trying to squeeze in i don't think there's really a huge free square but maybe we got some other guys with some injuries shaking out great time to be great day to be great let's do it man yeah i know i feel like there's gonna we we had so much last week we we did the show and like so much news came out um <laughs> you know on saturday and i feel like it could be the same this week um it, it's crazy like it, it wouldn't be 2020 um <laughs> if we didn't have a ton of news each and every football week but I think one of the things, too, like people just kind of underrate is like paying attention to like defensive injuries, too. We've seen a lot of difference uh, made this year. So, um, Ian, you said it, man. Week 13. Like we're already like it's, it's almost playoff time, dude. Almost playoff time, man. We got to, uh, you know, got to try to figure out these uh, teams here moving on out. I know the Buccaneers like are on a bye, but you look at their kind of rest of season schedule, they could be entering the playoffs hot. Like these last five weeks are going to make a lot of uh, difference, I think, in terms of who we're feeling good about. Everyone knows the Chiefs are, you know, the heavy favorite in the AFC, man. But you look at the NFC, I think it's more muddled than it really has been in past years. Packers, Seahawks, Saints, Buccaneers. There's a lot of teams you could talk yourself into coming out of there. I think it's also a good conversation as to are the Steelers really the, you know, the biggest threat to the Chiefs or could it be? The Titans are hell, even the Browns. So a lot of good matchups this week. And, of course, a lot of fancy situations we want to take advantage of. Well, each and every week over there on Pro Football Focus, you write the mismatch manifesto. Um, I So I found it interesting. I read it earlier this morning, and there was something that I, I definitely wanted to talk to you. And we're going to get, like, right into it right away here. Um, you start with explosive plays. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Like, when you're looking at, like, explosive, like, pass plays, you you mentioned, like, the Vikings, the Texans, and the Packers. Like, do you think the, the Texans potentially take a hit here without Will Fuller? Like, I, I'm starting you off, like, hot right, <laughs> off the, right out of the gun here. No, it's a fair question, man. That's the thing with a lot of these, like, matches. I am not taking, you know, super small sample sizes from, you know, Taysom Hill being under center versus Drew Brees. I'm just taking the Saints all year long. So, yeah, when we see the Houston Texans and the Vikings really popping off this week, it's having the best explosive play uh, 
best explosive play matchups uh, through the air. Yeah, we do need to consider what life is going to be like without Will Fuller. And you look at the splits with Deshaun Watson over the years, they have not been good with Will Fuller on and off the field. I will say that having someone like Brandon Cooks out there helps because Brandon Cooks, you look at Tom Brady, you look at Drew Brees, Jared Goff, and even Deshaun Watson, every quarterback that Brandon Cooks has ever played with has averaged more yards per attempt with him on the field versus without. So something has to give here. It's either going to be the Fuller splits or the Brandon Cook splits. Uh, one of those are going to fall off. Ultimately, I think Deshaun Watson is still such a great – he's been playing the best football of his career this year, even without having DeAndre Hawkins. I think a lot of that has been, you know, accepting that, hey, you know, you can play through, you know, what your, what your offense is kind of designed to do. He's one of those guys like Russell Wilson where sometimes you see them press a little bit too much, try to make too much happen on their own because they can a lot of the time. But learning when to rain that in and when to deploy it, you know, in the right times, I think Watson's been better than ever at doing that this year. Look, Colts defense, like we all know that they're a, they're a great unit. But, okay, we've seen some of these better passing attacks, you know, Titans a couple weeks ago, Packers, Lions. We, there's, a, there's a not, you know, small amount of quarterbacks that have gone for 300-plus and three scores against this defense. Watson, you know, it's he, I think he's a GPP play this week because it's going to cost a lot to get up there. But, no, I think he's still going to be putting up top five, top six numbers at, at the position with or without Will Fuller. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the Vikings, Adam Thielen um, back off the COVID list. Uh, they're going to be – Full go here um, in this great matchup against Jacksonville. You have them as like the the, the most the highest explosive play potential here. So, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as like explosive plays, or do we want to move on? Yeah, real quick, uh, three guys stand out that could be really struggling through the air. Brandon Allen, the Bengals. I cannot stress how bad this Bengals team looked last week. I know it was very close against the Giants, but they had the Bengals had a kick return for a touchdown. Then the only reason they were in position at the end was because after getting this, you know, mop-up touchdown drive against prevent defense, finally after the Giants got a two-score lead, we see Alex freaking Erickson get them a punt return back into 50. So it was like setting up to be the most just like bad win that we'd ever seen for, you know, the Bengals. But because it's still Brandon Allen, he had a strip sack fumble to just immediately end the game. So I really think this Bengals team without Joe Burrow is the single worst team in the entire league. You know, you have uh, uh, just, I understand that it's not too big of a stretch to say that because, hey, they had a number one overall pick last year. But truly, like, I would take the Jets over the Bengals on neutral field right now. Also, uh, Carson Wentz, we all know he's been sucking up, but Kyler Murray, this is a tough spot, man. And we got to adjust to life right now with him not running. Since he suffered that shoulder injury, only 10 total rush attempts. Kyler, very good thrower of the ball. We're not, you know, discounting that or anything. But similar to Alvin Kamara, like when you take away his targets, when you take away Kyler's rushing ability, all of a sudden we're looking at a much more ordinary fantasy football prospect than we were before. Um, I guess like we can just kind of transition into pace, you know, as we talk about Kyler Murray, because I feel like when you're looking at the slate as a whole, we're not seeing as much love for the Rams Cardinals game as we sh probably should. Yeah, I know we have a lot of great games on the slate with a lot of high totals, um, a lot of spots for DFS, but like. Ian, you, you talk about it in your article. This is the game that like really stands out pace wise, like really stands out. Yeah, and that's the tricky part because, you know, we do we've seen the heights that Kyler and, you know, Hopkins can get to. And it wouldn't be shocking if, hey, you know, we look back at this two week stretch of, you know, just small rush attempts and ends up being nothing more than a blimp on the radar. There is a game, you know, a couple of weeks ago where Lamar Jackson only had three rush attempts. And we we're all wondering, oh, is he, you know, just no longer rushing next week? He had, you know, 10 plus carries. So it is a small sample size we're digging into. Kyler has been, you know, a full participant in practice uh, throughout this week with the shoulder injuries. So it's it's interesting, man, because, yeah, there are going to be plays going all over the place and 
and, and you see, uh, you know, that Rams with uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I believe both under 6K are pretty close to it. Very affordable game stack potential. So, you know, not something I'm looking for in cash games unnecessarily, but to your point, it might be a good way to go against the grain, uh, get some GPP goodness there. I will say the uh, Bills 49ers and the Jaguars Vikings are really standing out as slow pace one. These Viking games, it's just always tough to kind of get a handle on, man, because we've seen like Kirk Cousins is actually having the best year of his career and most efficiency metrics. The problem is, you know, every freaking four or five weeks, we see one of these games where Dalvin Cook goes nuclear and then Cousins has to make do with, you know, literally like 15 or 20 pass attempts. So if they can just overcome that and these limited amount of plays, okay, he can put up numbers and he's in in a great matchup to do so. It's just concerning with a volume more so in Minnesota than pretty much anywhere else. Yeah, I think the Cleveland, uh, Tennessee, the Patriots, Chargers, like those are the games that kind of stand out on the positive side, right? Like we talked about, um, the Rams and Cardinals, obviously that game stands out from a pace standpoint, but I, I think that like Cleveland and Tennessee is definitely getting some love, but the Patriots and Chargers, people are still so caught up on what the Patriots defense used to be and instead of what they are this year. So like that game, it's probably my favorite game on the entire slate. I like that call. I mean, Cam Newton, you know, you look at just the cheapest kind of quarterback he can somewhat trust. I think it's him. And, yeah, it's been an up-and-down season. I understand, you know, last week I believe he was apologizing uh, to McDaniels after getting the win or, or whatever it was. It might be a couple weeks ago. But either way, you know, I know it hasn't been, you know, a perfectly great season for Cam Newton. But we have seen, you know, more good than bad out of the passing game. He's always a threat to pound one in on the ground. So I, I like that call. We know Herbert and Keenan and those guys can always put up points, especially with our guy Austin Eckler getting 14 targets back. Man, he's going to be one of the higher-run running backs on the slate for sure uh let's look at the pressure situations here um you kind of already talked about like brandon allen and that cincinnati offense um not getting much better for them here against miami yeah, a couple other guys is looking rough for Matt Ryan against the Saints. Dude, since the Saints have come back from by, only the Rams have been better at EPA allowed per play. I mean, this Saints defense really coming into form. And it's wild because, like, for me, like a month ago, I was kind of in on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, potentially making a Super Bowl run. They're getting Antonio Brown back. But the big reason was, uh, you know, I just thought, hey, this is look like looks like the best team in the, in the NFC at having an elite offense paired with an elite defense. Now that Buccaneers defense looks a hell of a lot more, you know, exploitable, whereas the Saints are the ones looking great. So even taking away, you know, their game against the practice squad wide receiver last week, they've been playing really great football on that side of the ball for the last month. And with Julio Jones looking pretty iffy, uh, you know, it's a situation where I would love to kind of bet against Taysom Hill keeping this hot streak going. But as long as Julio is going to remain out, I think it's going to be tough for Atlanta to be really moving the ball with all that much of efficiency. Uh, Drew Locke against the Chiefs going to be a long afternoon. I think we all knew that. Then Alex Smith against the Steelers, always a tough one there. I will say there's a couple guys standing out that do have a chance to have all day to throw. And that's a Roethlisberger against the Washington football team. Good pass rush, but that dude just gets the ball out so quick. I mean, we almost see them playing like ball control with their passing game. The amount of short, you know, receptions that Deontay and these guys can get. I like the potential for a bounce back for a spot from Deontay Johnson. Just such a weird Wednesday night game, man. I think he's still, you know, saw a candidate to get 10 plus targets during any given week. Also seeing Philip Rivers versus Texans. I mean, look, this is a game where, again, if you want to maybe go with Deshaun Watson and some GPPs, you can definitely wind it back with guys like Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, uh, and just some of those cheaper price wide receivers. Because even if Philip Rivers doesn't always look the prettiest, you know, shot putting the ball across the field as he kind of does with that, you know, flick of his wrist, I do think uh, – I do think that, you know, he's been efficient throughout the year in this Houston Texans defense. Now you take away Bradley Roby uh, is even going to be a worse position than usual. So a couple guys should have all day. Though. And also, I'd say Baker Mayfield, you know, to your point about this Browns uh, Titans game potentially looking good from just a stacking uh, perspective. I think people put too much flack on Baker Mayfield for this passing game over the past kind of month, because before last week and, and last week, he had that awful miss to Richard Higgins. I understand that we all saw the play. We all laughed about it. 
Otherwise, I thought it was one of the best games he played of the year, one rope after another. And literally the three weeks before that were all bad weather games in Cleveland with all sorts of wind and rain. So I'm not saying this is going to be a great passing offense in the post-OBJ era, but at a minimum against this Titans defense with Baker projecting to have plenty of time, I can see Jarvis Landry and company staying hot. And like, so you, you pair it, right? So we talked about the pace. Now we have a good matchup for Baker Mayfield. Like you gotta, you gotta pair some of these things together. Like what stands out multiple like situations. So, and you talked about like the weather of a couple other people this week have talked about like how bad the weather has been for Baker Mayfield this season, but it's true. And that's something that you won't see. Like you're not going to see that on stat sheets or, or data that you look at. Like you just have to, you have to kind of know, man. You have to know that, like he he had three really really windy games. Uh, one of those games, like it was crazy to watch that one. So um, the trench battles. Yeah, I'll say real quick. It's tough with some of these on-off splits because sometimes I get it. Like you look at Matt Ryan with and without Julio Jones, pretty clear that when you take an all-world talent off the field like Julio and you look at the Falcons' backup wide receivers, like I'm willing to buy into that narrative. But I keep hearing this Josh Allen with and without John Brown thing. We just need to be careful where we're drawing the line because Josh Allen has had – Great games with and with with and without John Brown this year, and people, you know, they look at that, you know, week three, week four game where they played the Rams. Like John Brown played less than a half times worth of play, only had two targets, didn't catch any of them. Josh Allen goes for three hundred plus yards and four touchdowns against them. So it's it's already a sixteen game sample size, and we're not even at sixteen yet. It's such a small sample size. Be really careful if you're you know picking and choosing these random games to make these big statements about. To your point, all these are a piece of the puzzle. Don't let one piece of information, particularly if you're using these small on off sample sizes completely sway your opinion on some of this um yeah you know especially man at, at some point you're just like i gotta i just gotta take some shots too especially <laughs> in tournaments like you know like we talked about jarvis landry on the show last week and like he had a monster game so um you just gotta take shots every once in a while uh the trenches battle this week i think this week is super interesting when it comes to like the run in general but Let's talk about it um, from a numbers standpoint. What are we looking at in the trenches this week? Yeah, three main kind of situations stand out to me. The Patriots against the Chargers set up really well. Best, uh, you know, combined yards for contact on the main slate. And you look at what happened last week, you know, not having Rex Burkhead. Well, I, I was out here touting James White on this show. Now, was I touting James White because I thought he was going to get two goal line rushing touchdowns? No, of course not. I was hoping he'd get the target share, which didn't come. But the big takeaway from that game was Damian Harris and James White splitting backfield duties. We can live with two back committees. Usually in New England, it's three or four. Now that we have James White and Damian Harris as the featured 1A, 1B backs, you know, it's tough to tell how these games are going to go. And I understand, you know, it's a situation where we don't want to really stack them. It's either going to be a Damian Harris game or a James White game. Probably not both. But I think, you know, tossing out both these guys in stacks with Cam, you could find your way getting the majority of a Patriots, uh, you know, offensive touchdowns and a potential high scoring game. Uh, And then also Saints versus the Falcons. Look, Taysom Hill, I had an article go up on PFF.com today where I talked about his impact on Alvin Kamara and this offense as a whole. The Saints offense has still been an above average offense in terms of EPA per play with Taysom Hill under center. The difference is their passing efficiency has fallen off a cliff. Their rushing efficiency has really spiked. I mean, Taysom Hill has been good for the Saints run game. The problem is that difference hasn't made up for the, you know, big difference in passing defense, uh, passing difference. So as I said before, I mean, the Saints defense has really been what's carrying them as of late. But with that said, man, like Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara sitting there at 7K now, like everyone's going to be on Austin Eckler. I understand that Kamara's not getting targets. It's incredibly frustrating. 
we can't treat him as the top three option, but that doesn't mean the guy can't find the end zone a few times, particularly in a matchup against the Falcons that we've seen him crush in the past. So yeah, it's been a incredibly frustrating last two weeks. There's a reason why Kamara is no longer, you know, priced in the eight, nine K range. But I do think, uh, you know, when you look at the ownership uh, projections with Eckler, just again, being chalky as all hell, if something doesn't work out with him pivoting to Kamara, getting a good game could be the nice uh, contrarian uh, tournament move. Last point I would make is a uh, Miles Sanders against the Packers. Another guy just, you know, he's been disappointing a little bit lately, but this Packers defense has been a godsend, uh, a get right spot for some of these running backs uh, throughout the league. So Sanders is someone that we know he has that, you know, big hitter, you know, 80 yard touchdown uh, type play in his uh, repertoire. Hasn't been there lately. This whole Eagles offense has been a disaster. I get it. But if anyone's going to help him get out of this funk on the ground, I think it could be the Packers defense. I appreciate you um, totally jinxing Sonny Michelle's like 15 touches. He's going to have to now. Um, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, passing, the passing game this week, um, what's kind of standing out for you as far as like the passing game goes? Sorry, say that again. The passing game, what's standing out to you for, as yes. far as the passing game goes? Yeah, looking at, uh, you know, just total passing yards per drop back. There's a couple of situations where, again, we just see these uh, efficient quarterbacks in good matchups. Kirk Cousins against the Jaguars really looking good. Uh, you know, uh, Phillip Rivers against the Texans and even Derek Carr against the Jets, man. Don't let one awful, awful awful performance by his Raiders offense throw us off the fact that they've been pretty damn good most of this year three straight games before last week the Raiders scored at least 30 points and I, I have nothing good to say about what they did against the Falcons just realize I mean now facing this Jets team you're flying across the country but it's as good as great of a good right spot I and mean, get right spot as we could have hoped for just in terms of you know total matchups on that side of the ball so the Jets are one of these teams that we have seen I mean when they played the Chiefs like I think Greg Williams still walks in there and is like guys first and foremost we need to stop the run above all else you know just old football guy I mean, mentality and because of that and when they play some of these smarter offenses like the Chiefs I, I think the Raiders even qualified John Gruden does a lot of good things from a play calling perspective but they played the Chiefs and Mahomes literally had like 45 pass attempts in the first three quarters of that game I mean they were just begging them to air it out and because of that I think we're gonna see a similar defensive strategy and we could see Carr Darren Waller Nelson Aguilar all these stacks that burned us last week actually come uh, to fruition in this one so we got to check on uh, Josh Jacobs with his ankle injury he hasn't been practicing it's not looking too good for him but you know you take him out of the picture I think it makes sense to embrace a little more of a pass happy uh, attack so Devontae Booker will probably be pretty chalky but even then man David Montgomery seems to be taking most of the ownership from that range so I like the thoughts of going back to the Raiders here in this get right spot Oh, finish it out here with EPA. Um, if you guys want to read this whole article, it's over there on profootballfocuspff.com. Um, finish this out with EPA, Ian. Yeah, just have, uh, you know, some good trends here. Generally, we've seen just some higher scoring games when both offenses have, uh, you know, combined EPA per play. Again, you know, it's, it, it, was a, it was a nice trend earlier in the year where we could literally just bet on both the positive offenses, bet the over in that game. It was crushing it. But as QBs change, as weather, you know, comes and impacts it, obviously none of these are a single standalone uh, value. But, you know, the games that are popping out is truly just having really good offense on both sides of the ball. Should be able to move it. Browns, Titans, uh Colts, uh, Texans, and then also to a lesser extent, uh, Patriots and the Chargers. So really the Titans, the Vikings, and the Chiefs stand out as the top three offenses just in terms of absolutely being able to move the ball. On the other on the other hand, the Bengals, the uh, Broncos, the football team, and the Cowboys as well should really have a lot of problem uh, really instilling their will on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we're going to be showing a lot of screen share stuff here, lineup HQ, Gridiron IQ. If you guys haven't already, make sure you check out the Core 4 premium subscription here at Rotogrinders. Rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF. You get $5 off your first month. Take advantage of that. So we got NFL going, NBA coming up at the end of the month. You were talking about like the running backs as far as like the Patriots running backs and how you don't want to play them together. 
can easily make a group and lineup HQ uh, to make sure you don't play those two guys together. So, Ian, let's talk some bets. Um, what's standing out to you this week is your favorite bets. Yeah, I've got a couple ones I'm a big fan of here. Browns plus six we've been talking about. I've seen that plus five and a half a little bit too. So maybe get that extra half point to get up to six. I just think you're bringing Miles Garrett back, back to the picture. Baker Mayfield, again, we talked about, you know, these weather games. We kind of broke down the situation before. But the Titans defense, like, okay, they've been mediocre at best all year long. Like, this is not the type of squad I expect to really slow down Mayfield in this passing game. And they've proven they can run the ball on absolute anybody. So I don't know if Cleveland wins, but at a minimum, you know, again, we're seeing this EPA per play. Like, Brown should be able to move the ball. I think both offenses can move the ball. So maybe the over is a play as well. Just a little worry about how many plays there's going to be to go around, you know, with so much running potentially involved. But either way, six points seems far too much for a Browns team that, hey, you know, we got to give them credit at some point, even if they're not, you know, the legit, legit contender uh, because of Baker Mayfield. I still think this is a matchup that they can get up for and keep closer than six points. Uh, Bill's 49ers, man, surprising me to see this as a pick And I understand the 49ers, you know, coming off that solid win over the Rams. But, man, I just feel like they have Jared Goff's number to some extent out here and we look at this 49ers defense they came in off the bye they got Richard Sherman back that's great but you look before then I mean 27 points allowed to the Saints 34 against the Packers 37 against the Seahawks like they shut down the Patriots and the Rams other than that they've allowed you know 27 plus points in freaking five of their last uh six or seven games or so so I really think that you know without having Bosa without having you know some of their other just monsters on the defensive line still like Sherman's great, but adding one cornerback back to the equation, I don't think it's going to offset what Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills have been able to do throughout this year. Mentioned before, I think these John Brown splits are fluky. I think we've seen Josh have bad games, you know, with John Brown and without John Brown. So obviously having someone like Smokey Brown back in the picture will be better for the offense. And we've seen good things from Gabriel Davis all year long. I mean, obviously Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, uh, I think are, I think we'd all agree are better real life receivers than Smokey Brown anyway. So seeing this one as a pick, them. I mean, hey, I it's not ideal you're going from uh you know Buffalo all the way or is that this game? Yeah, this game is in San Fran. Not ideal going all the way to San Francisco. I understand it. You got that going for us, but I just think with Nick Mullins under center, like there's an awfully low floor for this 49ers offense and defense that we've seen. And the Bills, similar to the Browns, like I think people are just hesitant to come around to them as a legit solid football squad. So give me the Bills at this, you know, pretty much being a pick 'em or one point. And then finally, Dolphins 11.5. Again, I truly think the Bengals are the worst team in the National Football League right now. And the fact that we got Fitzpatrick seemingly starting under center is huge. I would I understand it why the Dolphins would put two under center. They should figure out if he is your future or not because you're going to have this pretty high uh, draft pick from the Houston Texans next year. Maybe you could even trade up and go get your guy if you don't think it's Tua. But there is no debate in my mind about who gives him a better chance to win, a better chance to win big than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been an above average quarterback all year long, man. When Tua's been in there, it's really been rough. They've had to rely on their defense, but with Fitz back there against a Bengals defense, particularly that is already mediocre. Now they're getting zero help from their offense in terms of holding on the ball for a little bit longer. I don't think you can set this line high enough, man. Give me the Dolphins at 11 and a half. See, I'm a huge Dolphins fan. Um, and I think to a, he should have sat the whole year. I don't know. Like let him, let him get into practice and, you know, get some hits in him and stuff. Like he, he shouldn't have been hit for the first time in a game. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that, that's just me. I, again, I think Fitzpatrick is doing really good too. So, um, and like he's learning a lot from Fitzpatrick. It's not like Fitzpatrick's not a guy that can teach to his stuff. So, he's been around in the league for a long time, and he's a very smart dude. Um, my one of my favorite bets this week. I already kind of talked about the Patriots and Chargers. How I love that game. I love the over. It's sitting at forty-seven and a half right now. We have really we have two defenses that are kind of underwhelming um, this season. So, I think this is a game 
that the total is too low. Um, we've seen some of these games kind of go up throughout the week. Uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, Houston's gone up a little bit. Um, but I, I really like the Patriots and Chargers uh, as far as the over in this one at 47 and a half. What's up, YouTube chat? See you guys over there chatting in YouTube. Uh, make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe button over there. Uh, they have not announced Fitzpatrick the starter yet, but it is trending in the direction of Fitzpatrick starting. There was a setback for Tua in practice, I think yesterday, Ian. Um, and so it, it is definitely looking like Fitzpatrick is going to start. We won't get news on that until probably Saturday um, or even Sunday morning. Of course. Yeah, no, it's it's not confirmed yet, but I do think it is certainly trending that direction. So, like, look, I mean, when they originally took Tua out against the Broncos, they said it was an injury-based thing. Flores was like, we got to hold him accountable. Like, well, what are you talking about, man? If you're trying to hold him accountable for performance, you never should have made the switch in the first place. Seems like kind of a disconnect between what the front office and what the coaching staff wants to do. But, hey, we just want Fitzpatrick out there for this week because, again, I am anticipating a massacre against this Bungles team. Yeah, and, like – I don't know, man. Let Flores do his thing. Like I've hated on a lot of um, coaches, but man, let Flores do his thing. He's doing a great job in Miami. Um, That turnaround on defense in one year, man. He's a great coach. Absolutely. It's not not on him to develop the quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, it's not him. Yeah, but (laughs) like it just Ian. It's just like you see teams play for coaches all the time, and like the Miami Dolphins are definitely playing uh, for Flores. Um, The New York Jets are not playing for Adam Gates. <laughs> you even see with the Giants a little bit, more so going into their bye. It was a team that was at least playing hard. Didn't quite see that same unit uh, uh, last week. But, yeah, to your, to, your, to your point, man, like absolutely. There are certain teams that you can tell just try harder than other ones at this point in the year. Uh, let's talk quarterbacks here. Um, what's kind of standing out to you as far as cash games go? Man, you talked about Cam Newton before. I think he's probably the cheapest one we can really try to hang our hat on. You know, him and Derek Carr are sitting there, but I'm going to try to be paying up if I can. Now it's tough. I've been trying to, you know, build my first uh, main cash lineup of the week. I really want to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in there because we have literally seen one stinker against Tampa Bay Buccaneers where, you know, Rodgers was really getting thrown off his game because of that Devontae only had six, catch, six catches, 61 yards. And every other game this year, Devontae wasn't hurting. So we also had that Lions game. The man scored a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers has just been playing absolutely lights out football. So it's like the easiest stack I think we have this week because, I mean, Devontae, you look at all these top wide receivers and they all have like fairly tough shadow matchups. Devontae's facing Darius Slay, Metcalf, James Bradbury, Keenan Allen, uh, Stephon Gilmore, Hopkins has Ramsey on him. So it's very tough for all these guys to, I think, hit their high, higher end range of outcomes. But for Devontae, man, we just watched what the Eagles strategy was holding down Metcalf. You're really going to put Darius Slay in single coverage on someone like Metcalf. I think we see the same strategy on Devontae Adams, and that's not going to go well, man, because I don't think there's any cornerback that can hang with Devontae, particularly when you add in his mind meld chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. So I would like to set up the majority of my cash game lineups with Rodgers and Devontae. I think there's a lot of, you know, more options for GPP. Trubisky versus the Lions. All the guy does is throw for three touchdowns against the Lions. Just realize, I think he's one bad uh, first quarter pick, you know, away from being benched. Also, Ryan Tannehill and company versus the Browns. Again, a lot of game stack options there we've talked about. And then also, you know, maybe they made the Fitzpatrick boom week with uh, Devontae Parker and Mike Jasicki. I like this. I like the Dolphins score a lot of points. It would make sense if it goes through their passing game. So GPP really opens it up, man. But I'm, I'm struggling to get a cash game QB. I thought about going naked with Taysom Hill. I don't know, man. I want to get Rodgers and Devontae. But curious on your thoughts about who to kind of set yourself up here for 50-50s and stuff. 
Who is I didn't hear you were you cut off on me. Oh my bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious who you're thinking about building the uh, cash game lineup around at QB because for me, I'm, I'm just still not quite sure. Again, I want to get to Rogers uh, so I can get that Devonte stack, but I, I don't know. It's tough, man. I think honestly, I, I'm kind of debating on Cam Newton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or going all the way down to Baker Mayfield. Um, I think Ooh. it's definitely going to be determined more on like what opens up at running back and wide receiver as far as injuries go, but. It's man again, like I'm having a hard time not liking Cam. Um, I think a lot of people are going to play Trubisky this week, uh, more than like what we have him projected at. I think you can make an argument for like Deshaun Watson, you can always make an argument for Russell Wilson in cash games, like yeah. those guys are, are staples. Um, it's a really interesting like week in tournaments. We have a YouTube chat question. Um, any Mike Glennon shares in GPP? Like we knew he was going to come out and chuck it. Um, he definitely came out and chucked it. He played well, but no, I'm not going back to the well here. No, I can't, can't no. do it. If, if we get Chark and Conley back, maybe we can go with Chark a little bit. I, I'm not sure on their uh, practice status and what it's looking like going to the game. But, no, nah, I mean, we saw this with Jake Luton, too. His first game, he came out looking pretty good as well. Uh, credit to Glennon for doing so. And I, I, as long as these quarterbacks can help James Robinson keep doing his thing, that's kind of my only expectation for him. This is still an awful team. And I think expecting Glennon to really play as well as he did two weeks in a row, probably a little bit too much. But you know what? There's, I guess, no. I guess there's no such thing as a bad uh, GPP dart throw. So from that perspective, okay. I'll use his pieces. Like Chark, he's off the injury report, so he'll be nice. back. Like, um, But like Robinson's been fantastic, and we'll talk about running backs yeah. in a second. But like I don't mind it because I I definitely like the Minnesota side of this game, uh, Dalvin Cook, and we talked about some of these pass catchers. So um, definitely we'll play some of the pieces. But uh, is there anybody that's like really standing out to you as far as tournaments go? Yeah, I like the Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick might be the moving cash is, is a decent point. But, yeah, maybe paying up for Russ against this Giants squad, man. I mean, Colt McCoy, if he's going to be out there. There was a point last week where when Daniel Jones was already out, Colt McCoy was in there. And it was like a ho-hum, second and ten, midfield, you know, eight minutes left or something. And Jason Garrett legitimately called a quarterback sweep for Colt McCoy, like unironically. I, I don't know what the hell they're planning on doing this offense, but they haven't been able to throw the ball all year long, really. The only kind of fantasy upside we've seen from Daniel Jones has been a rushing ability so i just think that this could be a situation where the seahawks they've actually been pretty good at the line of scrimmage particularly since they've had jamal adams back really just running around playing more of like a more more like a linebacker than a safety but i really think that seahawks are going to be able to stop this uh giants run game and i think the giants passing game might be bad enough to not even be able to take advantage of this matchup so it could be a situation where we see russ and company go absolutely nuts against a good giants defense but i think when russ and metcalf and lockett are firing on all cylinders nobody can really stop them Switch it over to running back here. Um, looking at running back, I think like everybody will be trying to play Dalvin Cook or and or um, James Robinson this week. You know, we're seeing a lot of ownership on James Robinson already. Uh, what do you like your running back? Yeah, I was trying to go, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, maybe team jam them in, throw back to, you know, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell from a few years ago. But I do think it's very tough to kind of get both those guys in there with the lack of, you know, higher end, uh, cheaper options at, at receivers. So, yeah, I think, you know, you pick one of them. I'm leaning a little bit more towards Henry uh, over Dalvin Cook. I just think that, you know, there's a situation where we could see this Vikings team continue to go to the air. They've had so much success with it in past weeks. Dalvin Cook, even though he's healthy, he's had a couple injury scares. Like, I don't know, it's, it's not the matchup they need 
need necessarily give him 30 plus rush attempts in. Hey, I know he can do a ton with it. And he probably only needs 15 rush attempts to really make, uh, make his way into the end zone a time or two against the Jaguars team. But I just think Cook versus Henry, I kind of want the guy that's going to be in a little bit more competitive game potentially. But James Robinson, man, it's just kind of the same thing where I'm worried about what happens if they really, really fall, fall behind. And Robinson, like to his credit, I think last week, I mean, they didn't even have Chris Thompson or Dari Agumuale active. So it was James Robinson on first, second, third down pretty much throughout the entire game. But it's just tough for me to go up to Robinson when I got Eckler sitting there $200 cheaper. And, you know, he is truly the most game script uh, independent back in the entire league. Should have had a touchdown last week. And even though he didn't, I mean, 14 freaking catches, it's hard to uh, complain too much about that, particularly in a full point per reception format uh, like DraftKings. So currently I'm thinking one of, you know, Henry or Cook leaning Henry and then give me Eckler and then also sliding down the scale, man. I think the big question is like, do you want to go with David Montgomery or Devontae Booker? Maybe both, but I just think with Montgomery, like this bears, like in one of the things we looked at in uh, the mismatch manifesto years before contact, like the Lions have an awful defense, but the Bears have an awful offensive line. They are the second worst offensive line in the league, only ahead of the Jets in terms of yards before contact per rush. So that's why we see Montgomery always act, actually surprisingly at the top of these like broken tackle metrics because the guy usually has to break a tackle or two just to get back in the line of scrimmage. So he's been a volume-based RB too ever since Tariq Cohen went down it's ugly we don't care how he gets the fantasy points and I get it you know home against a middling uh, Lions, Lions defense I, I understand why he's chalky at this price but it just seems like one of these trap plays I'm not sure the ceiling is as high as it is with someone like Booker who I think is in an even better matchup potentially in a much 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 better offense so I will say this um Montgomery might be one of the best tournament fades on the slate but in cash games I do think his that's fair his floor to ownership is, is worth playing um he's just so cheap man like he he's he's so cheap the detroit run defense is really bad like we've mentioned a few times so the chicago bears offensive line is bad too but like with Tariq going out too like you have to kind of think that like the the snaps will be there they have been there um so like you add in like no Tariq cohen and like you're not really worried about like ryan nail taking like you know work like this is a dude that played 80 what 89 percent of the snaps last week um so Overall, I think David Montgomery in cash games is fine. If you want to fade him in tournaments, go for it. Uh, I'm not going to talk you out of it. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of options in tournaments that you could be different with in that range. Like we have David Johnson coming back against the Colts. Kareem Hunt's in that range. He's a guy that can score two touchdowns yeah. and really cr crush like David Montgomery. So um, I like the Eckler call. You know, if you're not going like Keenan Allen or Herbert um, in, in cash games or whatever, um, I, I definitely think you can play um, our boy – Austin Eckler uh, in tournaments like this is an interesting tournament slate as far as running backs go because you know Nick Chubb he's not going to have a ton of ownership Aaron Jones is not going to have a ton of ownership Alvin Kamara at 7k against Atlanta is not going to have a ton of ownership so there's some high-end running backs that have massive ceilings um, in any matchup that are going to kind of go overlooked here Ian. Yeah, I think Kamara at 7K is someone in tournaments that you can definitely feel good about. Again, it's been freaking criminal what Taysom Hill has done to this guy's receiving volume. One catch for negative two yards, like, come on. But Sean Payton, not an idiot. He knows that they want to get – like. Well, 
would they pay Cook $75 million if they didn't plan on using him more than this? So as annoying as this two-game sample is, and, you know, it's fair that we can't project him anywhere near, you know, the, the, the likes of, you know, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, whereas he was the overall RB1, you know, undisputed here this time last month. So it's tough. But in this matchup and in a game where, the again, the Saints are popping in terms of just yards before contact uh, combined against this middling Falcons defense and the you know, Falcons offense have all sorts of trouble. Hey, you know, how many games are we going to see the Saints, you know, win by double digits and not have Alvin Kamara get a solid performance with that? So it's a play where, you know, in cash, okay, no, I'm staying with Eckler. I think he has a much higher receiving floor at this point. But pivoting off Eckler, pivoting off uh, James Robinson right down there to Kamara, I think makes a ton of sense in tournaments. And also one guy I like, Miles Gaskin, man, if he's going to be back in action at 5,900, we're talking about a true three-down RB home freaking 11.5-point favorite against the Bengals defense. I don't think we'll be able to slow down this Dolphins offense at all, as we've been referencing. So if you want to go around, you know, Fitzpatrick, Parker, Jacecki, okay, you know, there's only so many Dolphins you can squeeze in the one lineup after all. But I do think Gaskin is one of these rare running backs where they truly have a three-down role. Will he get that in his first game back coming off into reserve? It's up for interpretation. We don't know, but that is probably why his ownership is as, you know, low as it is. And at 5,900, you know, it's very easy uh, to get there in most lineups. So this is another situation where we can get off of Montgomery Booker at a similar price range potentially help us out in those tournament formats one of one of the tournament flyers that i want to throw out there to get off of montgomery is jonathan taylor um i'm not a huge jonathan taylor person but i will say like i think you know this spot is fantastic houston they haven't been able to stop anybody running game passing game anything so jonathan taylor had a really great workload against green bay right before being put on the um covid list so I don't think he actually ever had COVID. He was close contact. So, like, I, I think this is a great spot to maybe just be different with a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Ahmed might not play either for the Dolphins. So, Gaskin really might have that, like, three-down role. These guys are excellent pivots off of Chalk, David Montgomery, and tournaments. Yeah, uh, real quick, two more guys. I like in that uh, range a little bit. Talk about the Patriots, man. Damian Harris at 5,200. James White at 5K. We're just not seeing, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, pr uh, price increase. I would just say, uh, you know, if you want to go with Cam Newton, like you don't necessarily have to go with Jacoby Myers or one of these wide receivers, the stacking partner. You can go with a James White, even a Damian Harris and Cam. I mean, it's I would say pick one or the other there. Harris obviously isn't catching passes, but, you know, Cam Newton, James White, or if you just want to go with uh, Damian Harris, maybe the Patriots defense, man. You know, I was just looking at the lower uh, cost defenses. Obviously, you know, we want to save money there if we can on a weekly basis. You know, Jaguars are awful. Jets are awful. Giants, good, but they're facing the Seahawks. That sucks. Same thing with the Eagles facing the Packers. Bengals are awful. The Patriots, I think, are the worst defense that I agree with you. They are not the same world beater we saw in past years, but they've had Gilmore back. They've been playing a little bit better ball lately, and you know they're facing Justin Herbert, who has played fantastic this year. He's still been a little bit prone to turnover-worthy plays uh, here and there, and I think you know, like any rookie quarterback, we got to realize that there is you know a potential floor when you're facing someone like Bill Belichick. Uh, I think wide receiver this week outside of like Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is going to be massive chalk on this slate. But outside of him, like we're going to see really spread out um, ownership. Um, what do you like here at wide receiver? Yeah, I think you said it, man. I don't know if there's going to be anyone like else really over 20% or something like that. There's options uh, all, all over the place to differentiate things a little bit. I think if you want to just move up the pricing a little bit to try to get away from Brandon Cooks, I mean, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods sitting there at 6,159. I mean, Cardinals defense that look, we're probably going to see Patrick Pierce on Robert Woods. 
Woods. The only time Patrick Peterson has looked good over the past two years have been when he's been shadowing DK Metcalf. And I don't even think it's necessarily what he's done to Metcalf. I think it's Russell Wilson just kind of refraining from testing that matchup based on having played with Peterson for the past decade and kind of maintaining more respect than he should. So I don't think really anyone in this Cardinal secondary can guard Copper Woods. You know, hey, do we see more of a run-first centric game plan out of the Rams? Potentially, but Jared Goff has been throwing the ball a little bit more in recent weeks. So, you know, I think uh, going with those guys uh, can make some level of sense. And if we do want to save some money and, you know, try to get up some of these running backs, I do think there are some viable options under 4K. Rashad Perryman at 3,900, you know, and Denzel Mims at 4,100. Like, we were worried about having Sam Darnold come back because we've seen him feed Jameson Crowder so much over the past two seasons. Sammy Darnold, first game with all three wide receivers. Only scored three points against the Dolphins. That was not good. But we did see him have his highest single game average target depth ever of his career. He was much more willing to throw downfield to Perryman and Mims than I thought. I think either one of those guys is fine. You know, kind of just help give you that lower cost option. And then finally, Kiki Cutie at 3,500. Look, he's someone that when the original, uh, what was it? When the original uh, Cobb injury happened, I was not on Cootie at all. The difference was, you know, he was the number three option in this offense when he has past success in 2018. He was number two option. But now, now we take away Fuller and Cobb. All of a sudden, Kiki Cootie's number, Deshaun Watson's number two pass game option. So he is a guy that we have seen, you know, get the double digit receptions, 100 plus yards. Been a little bit since he's done so. But I think Cootie, and, you know, we'll talk about tight ends a little bit, but Cootie and uh, Jordan Akins, again, I think that Watson, is so good he's gonna still be putting up numbers someone else is gonna be getting those and i think cutie has pretty much as good a chance as anybody yeah like there's i definitely agree with you on that and like if you just one of my one of my biggest issues with paying up for Devonte adams and cash games this week and like you could do it any week that you want Devonte adams um, especially in like one-on-one coverage if you're expecting that um the matchup definitely sets up for him to have a lot of one-on-one like I will take Devontae Adams against whoever whoever we think the best corner is, and I will still take Devontae Adams in a 1v1. So um, the my issue this week is just look at the mid-range. We have Cooper Cup. We have Robert Woods. We have Brandon Cooks. We have Devontae Parker. Julio practiced and felt good today. He's way too cheap if he ends up playing, even in this tough matchup. Like Allen Robinson against Detroit. Justin Jefferson. Like Thielen is 7,300. Like all of these options, Ian – and this is one of those weeks where like when you're building tournament lineups, you're you're definitely gonna be correlating a lot because there's not like standout wide receivers. Um, you know, especially even if you look at Cooks, like yeah. Cooks is great for cash games, but do I really want to play like a chalk cooks um not part of like a game stack or correlation type of play? So there are a lot of um and you like Sterling Shepard's one of my favorite tournament plays, Nelson Aguilar is in that range. If we do expect DeAndre Hopkins uh, to get the treatment this weekend, like maybe Christian Kirk finally bust out this week. So I like that. there's a lot of – that's my only problem with like Devontae Adams and Cash this week. There's so many good mid-range options that – is this a week we go Devontae Adams and like one of these cheap guys or is this a week we just take three of these like mid-range guys and hope that they all do what they're supposed to do? No, yeah, and I, I think honestly, as we've gone there throughout this uh, episode today, I've gotten more and more off of uh, you know the Rogers Devonte stack. They're, they're going to put up numbers. We know this, but I do think you know when you go look at Fitzpatrick and Devonte Parker, man, like it's just such a cheaper version of a stack that could yeah. feasibly give us you know a similar amount of targets. Fitzpatrick loves feeding this guy, and against the, you know a worse, I think Bengals secondary compared to the Eagles, it makes sense. Plus, 
us, we can then throw in a Mike Jasicki there too as well. So completely different Dolphins offense. You know, I'm, I'm praying that Tua doesn't randomly get this start because it's going to take away everything I've been uh, preaching about here. But, you know, a lot of opportunities in that Dolphins uh, Bengals game potentially. You know, you mentioned um, we we last week we we went into like depth of like talking about like Michael Pittman. Um, he was someone that we like brought up on the show, and we're like, you know, we think the talent's there, but like you have to love the matchup for Pittman here. Um, yeah. He's quickly becoming like the high volume target guy for Rivers, and we've seen in the past when like Rivers locks in on somebody, um, you know, the upside is there. So I think Michael Pittman in this matchup. Um, he stands out. He's cheap. Um, you mentioned Perryman. He's one of my one of the cheap guys that I have on my list this week. Um, if you are, if you're like me and Ian, like we're definitely getting on this like Miami train. All of the options to run it back: T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. All these guys are super cheap. Um, listen, the Miami defense has definitely been better this season, but they still allow some plays um, where you can definitely run it back with some of these cheaper guys. You see uh, DraftKings priced A.J. Green at 3100 <laughs> I'm not even saying it's wrong, but just seeing A.J. Green, you know, as a full-time starter at 3100 is just wild to see. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's tough to get behind too many people in that Bengals offense. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's options all over the place, man. I would also say, you know, T.Y. Hilton at 4300 This Houston secondary has already been, you know, not anyone's idea of a good unit throughout the year. And now you take away the number one cornerback in Bradley Roby. That's not good, man. So, yeah, Pittman, Hilton, it's normal a crowded passing game in uh with the Colts and that was the main point from last week it was just that you know Pittman's someone that he's gotten the bulk of his plays kind of on these uncovered crossers and just we see week to week a different tight end or a different running back or a different receiver leading the way but now that we have this you know just dream matchup where I think we're all expecting Philip Rivers and company to have plenty of efficiency this is the type of spot I'm way more willing to take chances on these wide receivers uh, some tight end news since we are shifting over to tight ends. Um, as we've been doing the show, Jonu Smith um, ruled out for Tennessee. I think that actually um, that makes a that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, not only does it like I don't think it makes a huge difference for Derrick Henry, but it definitely makes a difference in this passing game. It, it gives us a potential cheap tight end to look at in a game that is projected to be really close and a lot of um, scoring. So. Frickster, Anthony Frickster. I did not expect to, you know, be talking about Anthony Frickster when we uh, started here, but we'll start with him. Ian, he's two point five k. He's going up against Cleveland. It's hard not to like the price, the matchup. You know, this is a team that allows the second most fantasy points to tight ends, uh, first most over the last four weeks. Like, none of us want to play Anthony Frickster, but man, it definitely sets up for um, a nice little cheap tight end option here. 2,500, man. It's hard to get away from. We actually, and the problem is though, man, like, I'm looking at the snap race from last week now. Like he should be their primary receiving option, but both Johnny Smith and J and Jeff Swain played like a ton, double the snaps that Ferkser did play last week. So he had that hundred yard game earlier in the year, and we've seen in the past. I think when uh, you know they feel like leaning on someone else in the passing game, it is Ferkser over Swain. But it's gonna be you know a tricky situation with these targets. I'd say you know he's definitely someone uh, in cash games that we can lean on and kind of take that free square. I think a lot of people are gonna be at it, but you know tight end in terms. 
tournaments, it's, it's been tricky all year long. I still think, you know, someone like Mike Jasicki is probably going to give you a little bit higher ceiling. Even, you know, if, if this takes away, you know, ownership from Jordan Akins, maybe that's uh, going to be the good thing. Because the Texans, Deshaun Watson is like fourth or fifth in the entire league in terms of just dropbacks with two tight ends on the field over the past two years. That's going to be even higher now without, uh, you know, Fuller and Cobb in the fold. So I think Akins would be more or less playing a full-time role out there. He's one of these tight ends where it's not, you know, the kind of dad bod just catch the ball and fall down. Akins actually has some explosiveness to him, some yak ability. So I think Akins is uh, someone I still like a lot. And Jaseki too is more or less, uh, you know, a slot wide receiver out there for him. They were playing him like an actual tight end with Tua under center. Again, it's a totally different offense with Tua and without. But now over the, over these, uh, you know, having Fitzpatrick back there, we have seen his role get back to playing in the slot and out wide. I think that's also probably because Preston Williams uh, has been out too. But either way, Jaseki and Parker this week, love it. You know, even if we want to go up to like Waller, I think he's definitely one of the safer options. We we pew pewed on Evan Ingram last week, and he had actually a good game for the first time all year. <laughs> Austin Hooper is an option in that same Cleveland Tennessee game. Jordan Aikens getting a lot of love from the industry, from what I've seen already. Like he's cheap, but I feel like a lot of the Jordan Aikens like love is going to switch over uh, to Frickster now, um, and for good reason. Um, is there anything standing out to you for tournaments at tight end this week? Yeah, I think paying up for Waller could make sense uh, to your point. We're talking about the potential for the bounce back, uh, you know, performance from this Raiders passing game as a whole. Yeah, credit to Ingram for looking good, but now he's missing his quarterback. So who knows what's going to be going on there? I would say maybe don't completely sleep on these Lions pass catchers. It's a worse overall offense without Kenny Galladay. But Marvin Jones is someone that throughout this year, but Kenny Galladay's sideline has been good for a touchdown in almost every single game. And Hawkinson, I believe, is like the tight end four or five overall on the season. So he's been putting up numbers. Uh, last guy I would say, Robert Tunyon at just 3,700. Look, Rodgers loves this guy. He's been feeding him, you know, a good four or five targets per game. Not the hugest ceiling, but hey, he's still one of these few tight ends out there that I think we can feel, you know, reasonably good about projecting him for 50 plus yards and a score. So I'd say Tunyon could be that mid-price guy where, you know, if you don't want to go all the way down to Aikens, but you also don't want to go all the way up to Waller, you're still getting a little bit of that upside and a great offense, even if it's not, you know, the cheapest guy you can afford. Um, So for tight ends, you know, for tournaments, I, I think, you know, kind of, the whole thing we've been talking about a few of these games, it seems like more and more, but I think Trey Burton is super interesting for tournaments this week. Um, going back to this Colts Houston game, like Trey Burton is a legit touchdown threat every week. And this is a guy that can score two touchdowns in any week. Um, he's not going to like crush like targets or anything like that, but like he's the guy that is legit a red zone threat in this Colts offense. So listen, you give me, 10 to 15 points at tight end most of the time i'm super happy so i think trey burton um is someone that you can definitely look at to maybe potentially make your cooks teams that you're running with cooks and watson just different like you know a lot of people will probably run that back with a running back or they'll run it back with like a Pittman. you can run it back with a burton just to be different it also gets you off of like frickster is going to be chalk now um like it just kind of like switches it up a little bit to make it very different um, and then Dallas Goddard's always an interesting tournament yeah. play, even with like Ertz coming back. It sounds like he's coming back anyway. So yeah. uh, anything else for tight end? 
I like the Burton call. I've been dude, this Colts freaking tight end room. When if one or two of these guys get hurt, like then we can really fire it up with confidence. So it's definitely more of a turner play because we know Mo Alley Cox is probably gonna be on the field more often. Jack Doyle's gonna be stealing away a target or two as well. But you know, Burton, I don't know what you know Frank Reich loves so much about this guy, but he does. And we even see him, he's like vultured like two goal line carries from Jonathan Taylor this year. So Burton and like Logan Thomas are the only two tight ends in the league that we can like actually maybe expect like a random rush pass attempt from so he's got that you know extra little card uh, in, in his pocket i guess if he wants to pull it so yeah no a burden especially in you know houston uh centric stacks i think makes a lot of sense um i don't really have anything else for tight end i i will say before we move on to defense and finish out if you guys haven't already the single entry contest over there on fanduel for the single entry series this is the last week we have a five a 33 and a hundred dollar buy-in um top four scores count for each buy-in tier top two finishers will advance to the six man 20k final even if you haven't been playing it these tournaments are some of the best structured gpp tournaments um out there especially on fanduel so definitely take advantage of that um man it's gonna be close in some of these like there there's a couple of people that are really battling it for these um, i'm not one of them ian um, <laughs> i've sure. played in them every week but i am not one of them uh let's talk defense before we get out of here um it is setting up as a week that we can almost kind of pay up at defense a little bit uh, to take a floor in cash games. Um, what do you like at defense this week? Yeah, if we got Ferkser out there, man, that sounds good. Uh, you know, going with if, we, if we're getting up to Dalvin Cook and we're kind of rolling with that cash lineup, I think it makes sense to stack them with the Minnesota defense. But at the same time, though, you know, if we want to go a little bit lower to uh, Las Vegas, save 100 and kind of pair them up with Booker. So, yeah, to your point, I mean, I think there's plenty of defenses above 3K we can feel good about. But also, if we want to go under, I mean, I still think there are some decent opportunities out there, and particularly with that New England defense. It's no disrespect to Herbert or anything, but I just think that, you know, still they're a well-coached unit and against a QB and more it's not even on Herbert it's more the Chargers offensive coaching staff I don't really have uh you know expectations that they're necessarily going to put him in the best position to succeed so I think that makes sense I mean Detroit they freaking suck man but they're facing you know the league's single worst quarterback room pretty much uh with the Chicago Bears right now so hey maybe they get the you know post Patricia bump and you know sometimes it just comes down to getting you know that defensive or special team score so I would say you know if you are trying to go the, uh, the bottom of the barrel here with defense try to do it against a bad QB like the Lions versus the Bears or try to do it with at least you know not an awful defense which is the Patriots even if they aren't, haven't been quite as good as we've seen in past years yeah like I don't know, man. The three top defenses, the the Dolphins, as far as price, defense, um, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Saints, all three of those teams are, like, super strong. Like, yeah. all, all three of those are super strong. I think, like, if you want to save some money, I think the Bears against Detroit um, is definitely something. Um, but I also – I don't hate the Jets. I really don't. Um, I think they're a really interesting tournament play on this slate. Like, Vegas is going to throw. Um, it only takes one pick six to get you there. And, like, at 2.1K – like, if you are building, like, a Devontae Adams team, like, take a shot on, like, the Falcons defense or the Jets defense. Or I would even, like, say you could potentially take a shot on the Bengals defense if, like, this whole running back situation might be very interesting for Miami, right? Because if Gaskin doesn't get activated, Washington and Ahmed are already both doubtful. Breedham got forced from practice from, like, an illness today. So if they put him in, like, that COVID thing, like, it's Friday. Mm -hmm. He can't get three tests um, Saturday, Sunday. So, like, he would be out. It would be – it would be um, Lard and um, 
Gosh, who's the other guy? I can't even think. It's a Bolt Bowden, Bowden, something like that. Yeah, Lynn Bo- Bowden. He's like a wide receiver hybrid. <laughs> yeah, like so Fitzpatrick throwing forty-five times. There's a pick or two in there. So uh, I don't know. I think like defense, defense never matters for DFS. It's kind of whoever just fits. But I do think like if you are playing um, cash games, like I think. The Bears, the Saints, the Packers, the Dolphins, um, any of those top-end defenses. Now that like, we're getting some value opening up, it's not going to be hard to fit those guys in. I looked at the Jets long and hard before this. I wasn't brave enough to go out there. I'm happy you did. I do think, uh, you know, against <laughs> – you know, I, I don't know that Derek Carr is going to have that bad of a game again, but they are going back across the country. And, you know, the, it's Jets, again, I think they're poorly coached enough that the Raiders are going to have a nice bounce-back spot here. But 2,100, probably a couple hundred too cheap. They shut down da- Devontae Booker and, like, Carr is throwing more. Like, listen, all it takes is one. And, like, I feel like – People put too much like pressure on defense. Like you can play just about any defense any week that you want to. Um, Like what was it a couple weeks ago? The Falcons got crushed, but their defense still put up like 19 fantasy points. Like (laughs) that's what happens, dude. Like you know, it's what happened. Cincinnati last week against the Giants. Like they ran back one of the plays, and it's just it's such a, a position that has so many range of outcomes that whoever fits like. Uh, you can you can make an argument for really any defense on any week. Um, so like that, and I, I talk about this all the time on podcasts. And I, I think like just whoever fits. Um, yeah. Now there are safer defense for cash games. Sure, you could have paid up for the Saints last week, but in tournaments, I fully faded them. Don't care. Uh, they were too expensive. So, uh, Ian, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think it's going to do it, man. Yeah, as you know, we like you said at the opening of the show, like everything can kind of be flipped on its head based on how some of these uh, injury news comes out on Friday and Saturday. So everyone out there, make sure you know you're paying attention to that as well in addition to what uh, we just said. But best of luck in week 13, everybody. Good uh, good talking to you as always, man. Really quick before we get out of here, Irv Smith just got ruled out. Do you go back to the well on Kyle Rudolph here? It's a, it's a fine option. I, I think he's kind of in that group of guys we talked about. He's he's a, certainly a viable option without Irv Smith playing a full-time role, getting a solid chunk of targets. But I wouldn't say he's like someone we need to all of a sudden lock into our lineups now. I will say this before we roll out. Um, with all these like cheap tight ends like opening up, some of these expensive tight ends are going to be really low-owned yeah. um, in tournaments. So yeah. definitely try to take advantage of that. That's going to wrap it up here for the Pro Football Focus on show on Roto-Grinders. He is Ian Harden. I'm Stevie TVFL. See you all next week.